Well, let me take you back to a time when planes were very first invented, when aviation became the new method of travel. And I want to introduce you this morning to a guy who was a pioneer of aviation. And his name was Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. Say, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. No, I'm joking. Um, so he was an author and a pilot. And um, you can see him up there. And Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, who I will now just refer to as Antoine, um, <laughs> he had this to say about this new method of travel, the aeroplane. He said, for centuries, roads have been deceiving us. They avoid the barren lands, the rocks, and the sand. They shape themselves to man's needs and run from stream to stream. In other words, we've always had the route mapped out for us. We've always had the road ahead showing us where to go. But he said, the aeroplane has revealed to us the true face of the earth. Now, Antoine loved flying, and he loved flying because he loved freedom. He loved experiencing a world where there weren't roads and signs telling you which way to go, where he was free to explore. And that was what planes gave to humanity, the freedom of exploration, freedom they hadn't had before. But one day, Antoine went out on a flight, and he never returned. He went missing. Still to this day, we don't know what happened to him. And here's the flip side of the freedom that planes gave to humanity. It also meant we had this new problem of learning how to navigate the skies, how to know where to go when there were unlimited options, when we had all this newfound freedom. And today, we're going to talk about freedom. We're going to talk about freedom because I believe we were made to live in freedom. And I think all of us have a strong sense that that's what it should be to be human. You should be free. And when we see injustices which prevent people from being free, we feel that that's wrong. We feel a strong sense that we were made to live in freedom. And actually, did you know that the UK is the 14th freest place to live in the world? So we are incredibly privileged to live in so much freedom. But freedom comes with this challenge of learning how to navigate, how to decide how to live, how to decide which way to go. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to take on a bit of a new mindset, new mindset about what freedom really is and how we can navigate through it so that we can really live in it and experience it. And we all want to experience freedom. So today, I'm hoping that this is going to help you to do that. By the way, my name is Becky. And uh, I'm part of the staff team here at Andover Baptist Church. And uh, as it's already been mentioned, and as Grace has set us up for so well, uh, we are in this series called Co-Pilot, where we're asking the question, who or what are you inviting to sit next to you in your life? Who's giving you guidance? Who's giving you encouragement? Who's your companion for the journey? Who's helping you know which way to go? And... Uh, this is the continuation of that series that Chris began for us last week. But I want to ask you this question. Do you remember the very first time, this is for adults, the first time you were away from home, or the first time you left home, the first time you moved out? And for the younger people, do you remember the first time you were allowed to do something by yourself and you didn't have adult supervision? 
I can remember very vividly the very first time I went supermarket shopping at university, the first time I'd been supermarket shopping completely by myself. And it kind of feels like when you get dropped at university or when you move out of home for the very first time, it's like you've suddenly been put into the pilot seat of your life, isn't it? It's like all, all the way through your life, somebody else has been sort of leading and guiding you, and now it's your job to decide where you go. And I kind of felt like I was getting teed up on the runway of like, okay, yeah, I'm going like to live this life now by myself. So here I am at the supermarket, like, right, total freedom. <laughs> what am I going to do with this? And of course, I did what my mum had always taught me to do. I spent a lot of time in the fruit and vegetable section. I carefully analyzed the prices and made some comparisons and made really sensible choices. No. <laughs> It actually looked a little bit more like this. <laughs> That's not actual footage. But obviously, I went straight for the things that I hadn't been allowed to buy before. I went straight for the things that perhaps weren't too good for me. I splashed out. I didn't get the Sainsbury's everyday value. I got the, the proper own brand stuff. And because I had this new level of freedom, and I realized now I could do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, however I wanted. Maybe you have had a moment in your life where you've realized for the first time, now I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. And that is what freedom meant to me when I was 18. It's what freedom means to most of us when we're teenagers. We want the ability to do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want. And actually, I think this is culturally how we think about freedom. It's the freedom we aspire to. True freedom is being able to do whatever I want, whenever I want, and however I want to do it. But do you know, I actually think that that kind of freedom, that kind of way of living, doing whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, I think it ought to come with a few warning signs, right? I've got some here. Firstly, I think it ought to come with this sign, warning, hazards ahead. You know, I often find in my life, when I do whatever I want, however I want, whenever I want to do it, I find myself, actually I find it blowing up in my face quite regularly. I don't know if you have experiences like that, where you've gone too far down a track and you suddenly feel filled with regret, or you, you just spent too much, or you ate too much, or you bought too much, or you watched too much, or you procrastinated too much. If only there had been a sign telling me there's a hazard ahead. But there isn't, so we continue down that track often. There's another warning sign, I think, that all that doing whatever you want, whenever you want to do it, however you want to do it, ought to come with, and that's the stop sign. It's the stop because you have responsibilities, because, you have, because there are consequences, because sometimes we don't just get left with regret, sometimes there's actually a consequence, that we miss a deadline and so we get in trouble, that we make Uh, we mess up our finances, and so the debtors come calling. And that we have responsibilities that we neglect. That sometimes we need to be told to stop doing whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, whenever you want to do it, because there are people and there are responsibilities that you're neglecting. And the third sign is this one, and perhaps this is the most important. There are other aeroplanes in the sky. There are other people around you. They're also trying to do whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do it, however they want to do it. And when that comes into conflict with what you want to do, 
then there's trouble, right? And we've all experienced that in our relationships, in the closest relationships to us, in marriages, in friendships, in families, when we all want to do different things. And we've experienced that in the workplace, and we've experienced it with our neighbors. The trouble is that when we do whatever we want to do, however we want to do it, whenever we want to do it, we can land ourselves into problems. And here's the, the big problem with that that I found, is that you can want your way in, but you can't want your way out. So you get into a mess because of the things you wanted, because of what you went after what you wanted. But once you're in the mess, you can't just say, oh, I don't want the mess and want yourself out. You have to work yourself out. You have to face consequences. You have to deal with regrets. You can't just wish your way out of a problem you wanted your way into. Now, as we've already heard, this is something that God cares about. This freedom and us experiencing freedom and not getting into mess and not getting into the chaos that we talked about, that's something that God wants to help us with. And Grace and the young people have already helped us think about the fact that God wanted his people to live in freedom, and he actually created a way for them to live in freedom in the first place. He gave them a law, and you can think of the law like a route being mapped out for the people of Israel. That's the people that God had freed from slavery. And it's like God laid out this route and said, if you walk in this way, things will be okay. And he did this so that they wouldn't have to face the, cons the worst consequences of their actions. They wouldn't have to face the chaos that comes when you do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, whenever you want to do it. He did this to protect them, to safeguard them from that. But to keep them on this route, he had to establish some rules, some boundaries that meant if you stray from this route, there's going to be a punishment. There's going to be something that's going to have to knock you back in. Because it's better that one person be punished for straying out of this than for all of these consequences to come from everybody just doing whatever they want, whenever they want to do it, however they want to do it. This was God's step one in leading humanity to freedom. But God had an ultimate plan, an even bigger plan, for how he would set humanity free, not just from external bonds, but from the things that really hold us back and hold us down in life. He had a bigger plan for that. And his plan was that we wouldn't just have some rules to follow, but that we would have somebody to follow. And that came to us in the person of Jesus, that Jesus invited us to follow him to learn to live as he lived, and to follow him into freedom. And for the next few minutes, we're going to talk about precisely what was that freedom that Jesus invited us to live in. And to figure that out, we're going to go into a book called Galatians. Now, this is a book that's in the New Testament part of the Bible that's written um, after Jesus, about Jesus. And it's written by a guy called Paul, who was a follower of Jesus, who found freedom in knowing Jesus. And he was very concerned that other people would be able to experience freedom as they followed Jesus. Now, the group that Paul writes this letter to, that's what Galatians is, it's a letter to a church, that group had been having all sorts of problems when it came to figuring out how to live free. For some of them, they'd got so excited when they'd heard that following Jesus was a new way that meant you didn't have to follow the rules, the law anymore, that they had just started doing whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted, however they wanted. And it was causing carnage. 
And for other people, they were so concerned about that that they wanted to put the cones back in place. They wanted to say, right, quick, we'll set some tight boundaries, we'll set the rules again, and that will mean that we can continue to live in freedom. And Paul is quite concerned about both these groups of people, and he writes a letter to address this. Kind of imagine this letter as if the people he's writing to have been cleared for takeoff. They're ramping up on the runway, and he's going to help them figure out how to fly free and navigate the skies, okay? So let's dive in to what Paul says. Paul says this, So I say to you, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Now I'm going to use a third prop to help us with this one. The Holy Spirit was God's next plan for how to help us to live in freedom. And rather than just having a route laid out for us, laws laid out for us, the Holy Spirit was going to come and connect us directly to God. That we were going to get like this headset that would give us the ability to communicate with God, to hear from God directly, to speak with God directly, to have God's presence come and sit in the cabin next to us and be with us and guide us through life. And Paul is saying... Here is the Holy Spirit who's going to help you navigate the skies. Who is going to help you navigate your lives. So he says, and we're going we're to unpack more, because I know that's a bit of a confusing concept. We're going to unpack more of what that actually means. The personal presence of God joining with us, coming to live with us. Then, Paul says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Now, that language might seem a bit strange to us, but what he's talking about is that bit inside of you that gets you into trouble, right? And we've all got it, haven't we? Have you got a bit inside of you that sometimes just wants to punch somebody? <laughs> have, you got a bit of, have you got a bit inside of you that sometimes just wants to eat an extra bar of chocolate, even though you've already had one, and you know that it's not going to do you all that much good? Have you got a bit inside of you that always wants to fight back and argue back? You've got a bit inside of you that wants to put stuff off and procrastinate and be lazy. It's like, we might call it our whims, right? Like when we talk about doing something on a whim, or I just, it was kind of like the thought popped into my head or the urge popped into my head or the desire popped into my head and I just acted on it. It's a whim. So we might put it into our language that might be more familiar to us. We might say that Paul is saying, don't, um, then you won't be doing what your whims want to do when you let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, right? So he goes on, the sinful nature wants to do evil. Now, you may not resonate with that language because nobody thinks of themselves as evil and nobody really thinks of themselves as having evil inclinations within them. But when Paul says the word evil, what he really means is just opposed to the way that God wants things to be, opposed to the will of God, opposed to what is good, Now, all of us recognize, actually, that the results, the end results of us doing whatever we want to do, however we want to do it, whenever we want to do it, can be catastrophic in the long term. They can lead to broken hearts, broken friendships, broken promises, broken bodies, broken bank accounts. Those are the end results of us doing whatever we want to do, however we want to do it, whenever we want to do it. That's why Paul uses that word evil, not to condemn, but to say, wake up to how catastrophic that can be in your life. 
The sinful nature, he says, wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. The opposite, Paul says. These two forces are constantly fighting against each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. We have things that we really want to do. We have, we have a sense of who we really want to be. But Paul says we're not free to fully become that person because we have these whims fighting in us to just do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want. Left as we are, Paul is saying, our whims want what they want, but the Spirit wants what is best. Our whims just want whatever they want, whatever feels good in the moment, whatever, whatever we just want to go with right there and then. But the Spirit, this person who can come to live with us and guide us, the Spirit wants what is best, not just best for us, what is best full stop, what's best for relationship, what's best for connection, what's best for the world. That's what motivates the Spirit. We are motivated by self-interest. Our whims are motivated by self-interest. But the Spirit is motivated by love, right? Which is what we all want to be motivated by. But if we're really honest with ourselves, we're often not motivated by. So Paul has set up this problem for us that because these two things are fighting within us, we are not free to carry out our good intentions. But Paul is not happy to leave it there because he believes there is a way to be free, to carry out good intentions. And he's going to go on to teach us about that. But before he does, he gives a reminder to anybody who is listening to this and thinking, well, in that case, it's better to have really strict rules. It's better that we don't let ourselves do the things that we want to do. We keep ourselves hemmed in. We get that law back that God gave to us. And he sends a reminder to these people in Galatians. He says, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Paul's going to teach us how the Spirit can set us free from following rules and set us free from just following our own whims. So he goes on, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And he wants to make this explicit. People doing whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do it, however they want to do it. Now, this is the U-rated version of this Bible passage, okay? If you would like the PG-rated version, kids, go home and ask your parents and have an awkward conversation with them about that. <laughs> he goes on, it's doing whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. It's arguing, it's jealousy, it's fighting, it's tantrums, it's selfishness, falling out, getting out of control, and other things like this. This is what the kids describe to us of what the playground would be like if there were no boundaries, if everyone just did as they saw fit. And Paul says, this is what happens when we just go with what our whims want. We fall out, we fight, we get selfish, we get ourselves into trouble. This is why you shouldn't just go with whatever your whims want, because it leads to broken hearts, broken promises, broken bodies, broken bank accounts, broken friendships. But, Paul says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, 
That is doing good to somebody else, even at a cost to yourself. Putting another first. Love, joy, being content, being grateful no matter what. Peace, feeling settled and secure. Patience, being able to wait, not having to hurry somebody else or hurry yourself. Kindness, being compassionate and tender towards others. Goodness, that is actually being able to do the right thing. Faithfulness, sticking at things, being able to persevere, being able to commit over the long term to something. Gentleness, not being harsh or aggressive or spiky. And self-control, being in control of yourself. This is what the Holy Spirit produces in your life, Paul says. And I think all of us could look at that list and say, do you know what, the times I've got myself into trouble, those things would have helped a lot. Those things would have made a difference. In fact, I wouldn't have gone there. I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have said that if those things were my priority, if those things were what were being produced in me. Paul is saying something incredible, that the Holy Spirit can actually transform our whims can transform those deep desires within us, not just to want what we want, not just to want what our whims want, but to want what is best, to desire the good. You know how you might talk about somebody who brings out the best in you, like a friend or a partner? Paul isn't just saying the Holy Spirit can bring out the best in you. He's saying the Holy Spirit can bring the best into you better than what is in you already, that the Holy Spirit can come and bring the character of God and the nature of God to be in you, to grow in you. And Paul says, there is no law against these things. These things that the Holy Spirit produces, there's no law against them. And by that, he doesn't just mean, well, there's no rule to stop you from doing these things. He's saying, when you do these things, you don't have to worry about putting a limit on them. You don't have to worry about going too far in love, in joy, in peace. You can't. You can do that unlimited. You can go the distance in all these things. You don't have to worry about them coming back to bite you. You don't have to second guess about what you've done. You don't have to get in your own way or get in the way of others. These things won't come up against you when you live out love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. You won't get into hazardous situations. Hazardous situations may come, but they won't be because of you, which would be a massive relief, wouldn't it? You won't crash into other people. You'll be able to live alongside others, and you will be able to live out the responsibilities and do the good things that you want to do without things coming back to bite you. But here's the thing, because you might be thinking, well, that sounds great, but how do I get that? How do I actually live that out? Well, the Holy Spirit doesn't come to overtake us, right? This is why we've called this series Co-Pilot, not Pilot. The Holy Spirit isn't coming to take charge of our lives. The Holy Spirit comes and we get to collaborate with the Spirit. It's a collaboration. We get to choose to partner with what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. Paul goes on and teaches us how this works. Since we are living by the Spirit, he says. Now for Paul, there there are one of three options of what you can live by. You can live by the law, that is live by the rules that God set out in the world. 
You can live by yourself, as in you can decide what you think is best. Or you can live by the Spirit. That is, you can submit your life to following Jesus and to allowing him to do what he wants to do in your life. Now, Paul would say the first two options mean that you depend on yourself. But the third option means that you can depend on God, that you can depend on Jesus. And that's what it means to live by the Spirit, to trust in Jesus and to trust in what he can do in our lives, not to trust the rules or to trust just ourselves. So Paul says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. What he means is get in sync with what the Holy Spirit wants to produce in you. Line yourselves up is the language. Line yourselves up behind what the Spirit wants to do. The Spirit wants to produce what is best. The Spirit wants to produce love, joy, peace. The Spirit wants you to leave behind you doing whatever you want to do and go in the direction of what Jesus wants. So line yourselves up behind that. Want what God wants. Love how God has shown his love to you. Do as Jesus taught you to do. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit, you're collaborating with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will produce the ability in you to do what is better and ultimately to do what is best. Not what is just best for you, but often gets the best of you, but to do what is best, full stop. So as we wrap up, let me just give you three ways that we can collaborate with, the, with what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. And by the way, you may be sitting there and thinking, this is way further down the track than I am right now. I'm not even sure if I want to follow Jesus. I don't know what I believe about Jesus. I don't know what I think about the Holy Spirit. You could apply these to any trusted person in your life who you want to invite to help you, to come alongside you, to collaborate with you in navigating through. Firstly, we've got to commit to the root. We've got to actually decide that this is the direction I want to line my life up in, that I'm not just going to do whatever I want to do but I'm going to set my eyes on what is best. Paul would say, set your eyes on the route that Jesus has laid out. Follow him. Commit to that route. That is not the job of the Holy Spirit. That's our job to do that, to decide that that's how we want to live. And if you are not a follower of Jesus and you're not sure what you believe about this, you have a destination in your mind of where you want your life to head that is bigger than you just doing whatever you want whenever you want to do it, right? So commit to that route. Commit to the thing that you really believe you want your life to be about. Commit to the route. This is what Annabelle has modeled for us today. I don't know where she is. Annabelle somewhere. Hello, you're right in front of me. Sorry, Annabelle. Annabelle's committed to the root. She said, I'm lining myself up behind Jesus. I'm going to follow him. That's what she's modeled for us today. Next, that we have to take our time. It's when we hurry and when we're trying to fly by the seat of our pants and just do whatever feels good in the moment that our whims get the better of us. But if we want to do what is best, what the Spirit wants, not what we want, We've got to take a moment. We've got to take our time. We've got to pause before we react, before we act. We've got to think, where is this going to take me? Where is this decision going? And is it the direction that the Spirit wants to lead me in? Is it the direction of Jesus? 
So commit to the route, take your time, and thirdly, consult with your co-pilot. You have this incredible gift of access to God, that God wants to live with you and work with you and collaborate with you in bringing the best into you. So you can speak to him. You can ask him for help. You can talk to him if you're not sure which way to go. And if your whims are getting the better of you, you can ask for strength, ask for courage to say no to what you want and to say yes to what God wants to produce in you. Make use of it. So commit to the route, take your time, consult with your co-pilot. Let's come into land. That's a little pun. (laughs) Paul said in another letter, wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Why? Because without the spirit, we do get lost. We do run into hazards. We do run into consequences. We do run into one another. But with the spirit, we have a clear route ahead of us that love, joy, peace, the things the Spirit wants to produce in us, won't come back to bite us. They won't knock us off course. They won't knock others off course. And yes, life will still be difficult. But there's never, ever an opportunity. It's never a moment where we can't live out love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, etc. That there is total freedom in that because we can go full throttle on all of those things and it not land us in trouble. And wouldn't you like to know that there are decisions and directions you can go in your life that won't land you in the deep end, that won't get you in trouble? And this is it. This is it. The things that the Spirit wants to lead us in are the things that won't come back to bite us, that we can live free knowing being confident that our direction is good, that we're headed somewhere good when we do these things. Let me pray for us, and then I'm going to ask the band to come up and lead us in a song. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you gave us a co-pilot, that you didn't ask us to do this life alone, but you said that there would be someone who could come and sit with us and help us to navigate. We live in a world and a culture where there are so many options available to us all the time and where the wants and the whims inside of us are constantly trying to pull us off course. But we want to trust in you. We trust that you have a way for us to do what is best, not just what is best for us. And we ask that your spirit would be working in us as we line ourselves up behind you and behind your will that your spirit would work in us to produce what is good, what is best, what is loving. So would you help us to line ourselves up behind that? And for anybody here who doesn't know what they think about you and isn't sure about all of this, I just pray that you would help them to commit just to finding out a little bit more about you and about this promise of freedom. In Jesus' name, amen.